In a turn of events few expected, the story of Ukraine's nascent revolution quickly changed from that of a corrupt government and an internal dispute between pro-European and pro-Russian political factions to an international crisis. As a new government struggled to gain its footing in Kiev, Russian military forces swiftly took control of Crimea without firing a shot. In the Western world, few saw it coming. The political calculus didn't seem to make sense. So what caused Russian President Vladimir Putin to take such a drastic action? Hello and welcome to the Harvard Kennedy School PolicyCast. I'm your host, Matt Cadwallader, and today we're joined by Sergei Konoplyov, director of Harvard's Black Sea Regional Security Program and former advisor to the head of the National Security and Defense Committee in the Ukrainian Parliament. Sergei, thanks Hello. for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. So can you explain why Crimea in particular is so strategically important to Russia and why, I guess, why Crimea and not all of eastern Ukraine. Okay, from the military point of view, it was easy to do because according to the uh, agreement between Russia and uh, Ukraine, the Russian Black Sea Fleet uh, had the right to host in Ukrainian land up to 25,000 military people. Mm -hmm. And they're already using not all of them, but a big chunk of that without right. calling it invasion. Right. They just they just within their rights uh, by the agreement which was signed by presidents of two countries. So mm -hmm. we cannot tell it's it's invasion. Technically, it's not. Technically, they just can move their troops and ships and uh, other equipment as we wish. And uh, if you look at the numbers, and I just look at them when they came here, they can get up to uh, 300 ships and a couple of hundred of airplanes without violating anything, and without actually sending troops uh, to Ukraine. <laughs> that, that, that might be true, but when, uh, you know, Russian ships are, you know, putting ultimatums on Ukrainian ships to step down and or risk being boarded, then that clearly seems like a offensive maneuver. It's a very offensive maneuver, of course. And uh, I presume that before doing that, the intelligence, Russian intelligence already knew that there would be no resistance, at least there would be no military resistance. Mm -hmm. So why why Crimea, not other, you know, like eastern part of Ukraine? Because militants, it's easy, and uh, it could be done without shedding any blood. So why is it's the, especially the naval base at Sevastopol, right? Why is that so important for the Russian military? I mean, Russia shares a, a fair amount of um, acreage uh, along the Black Sea. Why is it that um, that navy base is in Crimea and not in Russia proper? Because this navy base on the city of Sevastopol, it's very dear to the Russian patriots. Mm -hmm. Again, I will tell you there was a big battle there uh, which brought Crimea to Russians uh, from Turks. If you make a comparison, of course, it's not comparison ideal. This is kind of what Kosovo was for Serbia, mm -hmm. because uh, Serbians used used to fight Turks in Kosovo. So for them, it was like the land of the glory. So when Kosovo was uh, separated and received independence, which actually might happen to Crimea, we don't know, uh, Serbs were uh, not very happy. So the Russians. Like Russian population is not very happy. Uh, a second point is very easy uh, for propagandistic uh, means to tell Russian people 
that's we're just fighting not for Ukrainians, but we're trying to protect Russian people in the land of Russian glory. So everybody will support him. So actually, mm-hmm. I don't know what is the rating of Putin right now, but I believe it went up. You mentioned the potential for Crimea to become its own independent country. Is that the end game to this? It, it seems like it's happened so quickly, but what 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 is it's, trying it's to be happened, accomplished? It happened very quickly, and that showed Putin that he can get away with that. The reaction of the West was pretty slow. It was as slow as during the war between Russia and Georgia in 2008 in August during the last Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. So Putin could get away with that. And don't uh, forget that uh, both Ukraine and the Georgia were aspirants to get NATO membership. Right. And they were trying to get it in, in, uh, in uh, uh, Bucharest summit, but they couldn't get so uh, the West at that time showed that they're quite weak and not united. So Putin using it quite usefully in showing the uh, power, what he can do. And I don't think that he, he wants to get uh, uh, Crimean Peninsula and make it part of Russia, even that you know Duma, Russian parliament, uh, decided to put a law like this. Uh, he would like to control whole Ukraine. So it will be kind of more easy, mm-hmm. and he will he will help Ukraine to be united. So he he become as a good politician who actually helping its uh, uh, weaker brother, Slavic brother, to be uh, as a as a whole country, but at the same time to use its power and persuasion uh, to control its, this country and keep it in its orbit. Do you think the speed of this has suggested that this was a pre-calculated move that Putin was? ready to launch if ever the opportunity presented itself? Or was it a reaction to... It was both. First of all, I think there were some plans, contingency plans, What, how we can do this Mm -hmm. using the Russian military. And the big presence of Russian Black Black Sea Fleet already was one of the factors. And the support of uh, the Russian-speaking population. Second, it was triggered by uh, the demise of the the Ukrainian government, and especially President Yanukovych, because having Yanukovych, where Yanukovych was before as a president, it was easier to control the whole country for Putin or like Kremlin or Russia. Mm-hmm. So there was no need to do something in, in Crimea. But now then they saw that uh, they don't have anyone to whom to control, and the new government which came to Ukraine might be good, might be bad, might be technical, might be provisional. It's not recognized by Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're afraid that uh, people who will come and actually will be at power in, in Ukraine after the elections, which will be in May 25 this year, uh, will be more pro-Western. That, that scares Putin. That brings him some fears that Ukraine might actually go too much to the Western path without looking back to Russia. And that might open them uh, doors to NATO. The Secretary General of NATO recently stated the door for Ukraine to NATO is open. If he, if he says Ukraine is a non-bloc country and we respect it, that would be one thing. But it's a kind of open invitation and Russian feel it. You cannot fool Russian and say, no, 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 no. NATO is just, you know, like it's on the map. Nothing happens. I mean, like Russian feel and they have this uh, instinct uh, of fear that uh, uh, 
the United States and NATO country would like to make sure that Russia would never be strong enough. Now, doesn't this action in itself prove uh, prove correct anybody in Ukraine who you know wants NATO membership? I mean, had they been made members of NATO, this certainly wouldn't have happened. Well, there is uh, no subjective mood in, uh, in history. I mean, like if Ukraine became NATO like many years ago, that probably would never happen. And the reactions of the country would be much stronger. But Putin could get away again, as I tell, told you, uh, with Georgia. Nothing happened. Business as usual. Mm-hmm. People go to Olympics. He's a nice guy. You know, he's uh, welcomed in the Western capitals. So he just tried to see what he can do with, uh, with Ukraine. He never let Ukraine go. Because, as Big New Brzezinski told in his book, uh, without Ukraine, Russia ceased to be empire. And I think Russians understand it pretty much. So they cannot let Ukraine go. Ukraine, by its geopolitical situation, it's very difficult for Ukraine to go one way. Ukraine cannot say, we just go to the West and forget about Russia. It's like Mexico says, we forget about United States and we'll do something else with Latin America. They cannot mm-hmm. because they have border, they have trade, they have common language, common culture, there are families who live in the both country of the border. How much has this invasion of Ukrainian territory brought people from both the West and the East together and helped, I don't know, create some kind of national identity within Ukraine that may have been a little bit more split before? Well, I will answer it from the other side. Uh, there was Orange Revolution that you probably remember, 2004, mm-hmm. when President Yushchenko came, and the hopes of Ukrainian people were great. It failed. Mm-hmm. So people didn't like Yushchenko. Now we have, we had Yanukovych, who came and he was a bad president. So people are sick and tired of seeing someone as a Ukrainian president who's a not good people. Mm-hmm. So they would just like to live a better life. If somebody's happy, this person will go with his children to amusement park, to movies, to you know, like restaurant, uh, to get ice cream. This person will not go to street and will not get a baseball bat and say, well, we defend my neighborhood. This person will be watching TV show with his family. So people in Ukraine are not happy with their leadership. So that's the problem of governance. They don't believe that the new people who will become rulers of Ukraine will do something better. At the same time, they look at Russia and they see that the standards of living in Russia slightly better. They look at the West, at European Union, they see it's much better. So they are attracted to that. But nobody actually waits them in European Union. Mm-hmm. It's an illusion that they will say we'll be part of European Union and say, well, let's start with small baby steps. But Russia says, you need money, we'll give you money, because Russia, President Putin, can do that. But from the other side, Ukrainians don't want to go to Russia, I mean, like, without not looking at the West, because Russia is not that attractive. Russia tries to gather people, gather countries like Armenia, or Ukraine, or uh, Georgia, Belarus, Kazakhstan, by force. So it's not a true attraction. It's attraction by force. Mm-hmm. Or buying. We'll give you money, come to us. For Ukraine, it was $15 billion. Right. Yanukovych was ready to go to Vilnius to sign the 
uh, agreements with European Union, and then he he changes his mind, and then Putin comes and say, "Here is fifteen billion dollars. I mm-hmm. can do that." So this is definitely buying loyalty, uh, support of a country, mm-hmm. not letting this country go and say this is the price we pay. European Union cannot offer that. They don't have money. There's a crisis. There's no unity in European Union. They can say, "Oh, you know, like, we we can offer you sympathy, and let's work on some." good things. So Ukrainians, like, for instance, even in my family were divided. My mom, who is uh, about 80 years old, she said, oh, you know, like, I wish we were living in Soviet Union. Well, maybe it would be better with Russia, because, you know, like, I hate these people mm-hmm. uh, who, who come to power. And, you know, like, the propaganda also, like, Russian propaganda pictures them, like, it's like a Nazi, you know, fascist, nationalist. So they come to you and they will ask your children to speak on the Ukrainian. You can go to prison if you don't. I mean, like a relative tales, but you know, people still believe. Mm-hmm. So people are torn. People are torn. They don't know where to go, but they know where the unity will take them. The unity will take them to a better life and mostly better economic life. But for that, they need to have a better political system of the good governance. Doesn't this invasion actually give them something to ra- rally around, though, in terms of, you know, uh, in terms of finding that unity? Well, people are mostly united. Mm-hmm. People are united. People are united even if you go in Kiev, which is central part of Ukraine. I mean, like, there is no problem for people speaking Ukrainian and Russian. When they go to Kiev, I speak Ukrainian to Ukrainians, Russians to Russians, there's no problem at all. Mm-hmm. Or you can speak Russian, people will answer in Ukrainian. There's never a problem with that. Because, you know, it's not a problem in any civilized uh, country. You take Switzerland, they have three languages or four languages, which are official languages. Right. But Switzerland, it's a rich country. So people don't go to to streets to protest. They like how they governed. Mm-hmm. They like the system. So they go learn languages and they speak languages. Right. There is a, there is a motivation to do that. Rather than Ukraine, you use language uh, to, to put people to different uh, sides of the barricades. So that's why you correctly said that uh, uh, the first of the laws which a new government of Ukraine adopted is abolish the law which gives Russian language the status of the second state mm-hmm. language. So that was not good because it immediately provoked in people some Right. Emotional reactions against unity. But yeah, I mean, like, unity is for, for the better life. Unity is not for the West. Unity is not for the, for Russia. People just want to get a dignified life. Right. Nothing else. Well, Sergey, thank you so much for being on PolicyCast today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. You've been listening to HKS PolicyCast, a production of Harvard Kennedy School. Hear more interviews at hks.harvard.edu slash policycast. And join the conversation on Twitter at hashtag policycast. Policycast.